We are back again with another week of wildlife. Here we are. We're already halfway through October. Hard to believe. I know. So I guess you're going to talk about a species that we might see a little bit more this time of year. Yes. So today we're going to talk about mice. Um, These might be some of the little critters that you find venturing into your home over the fall and winter months as it's getting colder. And um, if you didn't listen, last week's episode, we kind of covered some ways to avoid having these critters venture into your home. Yes. So check that out if you haven't. But, Anna, I'm sure you're going to go over it again. Yeah, we're going to talk about <laughs> some more, like, micey, mousey specifics. <laughs> Cute either way. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so we have three species of mice that you'll see pretty frequently in Illinois. Okay. And one rat. But only two of these are native. Um, so our native friends are the deer and white-footed mouse. Mm-hmm. Our non-natives are going to be house mouse and Norway rats. Okay. So we're primarily going to focus on our native friends. Okay. But I will touch on the non-natives a little later as we're talking about, like, more conflict issues. Okay. Good. So... I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but the deer and white-footed mice, they're pretty similar, and they can be really hard to distinguish. Yeah, we kind of struggled with that, Yeah, honestly. <laughs> we, we looked up a few different ways. We've got some friends who are better at it than we are. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, if you're coming across a mouse, typically you're not going to be like, oh, what kind of mouse is this? Mm-hmm. Um, so we hope that you take any mistakes that we have with a grain of salt and <laughs> we apologize in advance if we are totally wrong. So if you have better tips and tricks, please reach out and correct us. Yes, please do. So uh, Please c- don't crucify Hannah <laughs> if she makes any type of mistake because this it's not easy. <laughs> no, like, I, I mean, I always asked my kind friend, Tracy, who was, I mean, she could look at it and be like, yes, that's a white foot yeah. mouse. And I'd be so impressed. Yes. And, you know, you can look at so many of them, but until you have two of them, one of each kind in front of you, I really don't think you're going to be able to distinguish those really fine features. Right, right. So deer and white-footed mice, they're both around the body size of three and a half to four inches around. And they weigh a half an ounce to one ounce. Supposedly, white-footed mice are larger than deer mice. But they have the same body range (laughs) sizes on literally every platform that I researched them on. Weird. Um, So they both have like a a mousy gray body. I hate saying that. (laughs) But they also have more of like a deer-colored brown fur as well so it's like a gray brown mixture i Mm -hmm. mean if you think about it they're running through ground material so yeah you've got dirt you've got leaves you've got they've got to blend in yeah they need to camouflage Mm -hmm. um so it can be tinged with gray red brown accents um regardless their undersides are white okay the distinguishing factor from what I can gather is their tail. So okay. a white-footed mouse will have a tail about half the length of their body. And a deer mouse tail is only about the size of their head. So like one third the size of their body. Hmm. And the tail 
color is also a distinguishing factor. Um, the deer mouse has a distinctly bicolored tail. Okay. So you're going to see a, a clearly drawn line between that underside, the white underside, mm-hmm. and their darker gray-brown coloring on their back. Whereas the white-footed mouse is more of like a blended tail. You're going to see both of the color kind of intermixed. Um I don't know who I feel more sorry for, like, those listening and trying to get all this info or, like, you trying to describe it. It's hard. Yeah. (laughs) I apologize in advance. No, it's okay. I think you're doing, like, the best anyone could do, honestly. Um, But if you're really curious about the the body, like, you can look it up just like Hannah had to, of course. (laughs) That's probably what you're going to need to do if you're, like, looking at a mouse and you're really (laughs) trying to get to the bottom of it. Right. And I also found a tip – If you're holding a mouse with their belly exposed, so you're looking at that white fur on the underside, if you blow on this fur. Oh, my gosh. I know. (laughs) If it's white all the way down to the root of the fur, you're looking at a white-footed mouse. Okay. If it has a gray base at the root of the hair, then it's a deer mouse. I don't know who is going to be picking up a mouse and blowing on its belly. It's probably going to be a dead mouse. And you might be a little weird for it. I, I don't know if I would I want to know. pick up and, like... I don't know if, like, I need to know that much. A mouse is a mouse. Yes. Yes. I mean, they're great, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I know. But I think their habitat range is also going to help you determine what kind of mouse this okay. is. Other than... I'm going to go off of that, then, probably. Yeah. It's <laughs> good rule of thumb. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to get too close to a mousey friend. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. Um, so, our white-footed mouse friends are going to be found close to forest edges. Okay. They're going to nest in cavities that are in logs and stumps and just kind of like that... You know, the fallen tree that is mm-hmm. still there for the winter. Nice and natural shelter. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, deer mice, on the other hand, are going to frequent open habitats like pastures and fields. They will use previously dug burrows or they're going to construct burrows to house a family unit. Yeah. We know that mice can quickly reproduce. Yes. <laughs> they're very good at that. Yes. Oh, Yes. Um, so what I found is that mice have a gestation period of three weeks. Average litter size is four to six. Oh my gosh. They are born helpless, but they're fully independent in four weeks and they reach breeding maturity at eight weeks. So <laughs> I hope they never turn on us. Like, cause the mice population would definitely win. Yes. Yeah. Um, and this applies to both of them for the most part. Okay. Um, they're typically going to live between one to three years. They're very low on the totem pole. They're prey for almost all of your carnivores. Yeah. Um, so they're going to get picked up by raptors, foxes, coyotes. It's yeah. a little small for a coyote. But yeah. basically, snakes. yeah, snakes will eat dogs. Coat. They're yeah, big toads, yep. Yeah. So they're very low <laughs> on the totem pole. That's why they have a short life expectancy. Um, but it's also why they reproduce so quickly. Yes. So. Isn't it too? They can reproduce year-round if they're in like yes. a warm enough environment. Right. 
which would be here if they're like nesting in someone's house. Exactly. Yeah. So usually when you find like an abandoned home with a mouse infestation, you've got a big problem on your hands. And we'll touch on that again later because that opens a whole can of worms. (laughs) Um, So mice are omnivorous species. Okay. Um, They're going to eat seeds, nuts, berries. They may also eat some insects if they need some extra protein. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're not securing your home, they're going to nibble on all kinds of inedible material. So it can be your siding and through your insulation Mm -hmm. and maybe that wire's in the way and they're going to die if they chew through that wire, but your house is also going to have some sort of a glitch most likely. Yeah. Um, They'll chew through plastic containers to get to exposed food, whether it's cereal or dog food or they love dog food. I just know this from like living in the country. They love dog food. Yeah. that That would always be the first thing. That mice got into, like if it was in our garage, a barn, like a mudroom, if they got in somehow. Yup. I don't know what it is about dog food, but. I know. (laughs) The Um, weird thing is too, like they'll, I'm going to go on maybe a tangent here, but like. Please do. (laughs) So they will, they'll take the food and then they store it in other places. Mm -hmm. So when you like find dog food in a shoe randomly (laughs) or like in an umbrella or something, like just something totally random that would make no sense, just know it's likely a mouse. Yeah. You might need to tend to that issue. Right. So. <laughs> so like Amy said, you, I mean, it's not typically that you see the mouse. You're going to see the remnants yes. from the mouse. Yes. So it can be the food that they're leaving behind or possibly their droppings. Mm. Um, they're just little small pellets. I'm pretty sure if you see one, you know what it is and you immediately <laughs> contribute that to, oh, I have a mouse problem. Yes. Um, they're nocturnal creatures. That's why they have large eyes and ears. You're, they're so small. You're really not going to hear them scurrying around. I mean, that would typically be more the sound of like a a squirrel. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're hard to find unless you see the evidence of it. So just keep your eyes peeled for that. (laughs) They could very easily live in the walls of your home and, you know, you have no idea. Yeah. And you know, maybe they don't ever make it actually inside of your home. Right. But yeah, unless if you don't see signs inside your home, you don't, you have no idea. Yeah. No idea. <laughs> yep. Or if they like fall into your wall and die. Cause that's happened to me. Oh, that's happened. So we were like remodeling uh, part of our bedroom and we took the light fixture covers off to replace them. And you know, when you're moving into a house, you get sidetracked with things and they, they stayed off for maybe a good week or something. Okay. So I'm walking past one day with like a load of laundry and I just smell something terrible. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> so I can't figure it out. And then I realize it's coming out of that hole where the light fixture switch would be. Okay. And it's a switch, by the way, not the actual fixture. I should probably specify. <laughs> and um, a mouse had fallen down into the drywall, I guess. And had passed away. And it was now. This happens. And there's nothing you can do about it because, well, you could. You could cut a hole in your drywall and see if you can try to find it. But it might be somewhere that you're not expecting it to be. So you could smell it, but it could be in a totally different spot. Because I had to look into this, of course. (laughs) 
I did not want to deal with the smell. <laughs> but actually, the advice was just to wait it out. Let it decompose. Yes. I mean, it's a small creature. It's it not going to take too long. It, it, went, it went away within the week, but it was horrible Ooh. the first couple of days. So, human-wildlife conflict, it happened. Were your pets interested in the smell? Um, Not that I can remember. Okay. Yeah. I was horrified, though. Yeah. <laughs> I still have, like, issues touching the light switch. I, I don't know. It's just in your head. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> <laughs> but it happens. I mean, we maintain the outside of our home, but they can still yeah. sneak in. So, they can... <laughs> Squeeze their way through holes that are no larger than a quarter of an inch. Okay. Well, this guy uh, did that. Yeah. And then paid the price, I guess. So, like Amy said in our previous episode, walk around with a buddy. Your eyes might see something that your eyes do not. And, again, you're looking for holes no larger than a quarter of an inch. Right. So, it's going to be tough to spot. Mm -hmm. And those critters will... Find their way in somehow. It may happen. You know, we can we can give the best guidance we can, but at the end of the day, this could still happen to anyone. So right. So some more tips and tricks: um, reduce the availability availability <laughs> of food and water. Um, store your food securely, especially that dog food in the garage. Mm-hmm. Eliminate those nesting sites. So you're going to want to maintain your lawn and trash. Try not to compost or plant gardens within 100 feet of your home. That's going to be an easy food source for oh, them. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think we touched on, you know, if there's a family of mice, they reproduce quickly. Mm-hmm. And if it's a safe space that humans are not bothering them, you're quickly going to have a mouse infestation. Yes. Um, so there is a respiratory disease called antivirus. Um, it's mm-hmm. caused by airborne bacteria from stirred up mice droppings and nesting material. Um, so when you're cleaning up such an area, first of all, it's recommended to wear a mask, mm-hmm. um, wear glasses or some sort of goggles over your eyes as well, because it can affect your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's recommended that before you vacuum or sweep up this material that you spray it with a disinfectant prior because it's going to decrease the chance of that material getting stirred up. Right. Um, like diluted bleach or products containing phenol, like it's basically Lysol brands. Okay. And I'm not a sponsor Just of make Lysol. It- <laughs> Just kind of make it wet so it kind of clumps better together. Right. Anything that's going to keep it from, like, clouding up and exposing you to this And you're talking, like, large-scale infestation. I think if somebody finds, like, one. Yeah, but, like, even if it's you're finding evidence, like, behind, you know, your oven, Mm -hmm. it it wouldn't hurt to take these precautionary measures. Yeah. Okay. Well... Maybe I'm just a germaphobe. No, I totally understand. I just just don't. Yeah. I, I guess, like, I just don't want people to, like, freak out if they have, like, one mouse. And then they're like, I have to hire oh, oh, somebody I and, like, get, to get the Tyvek suits out. and No, no. This, or the I hazmat mean, suits. I we're talking, say. like, abandoned buildings with infestations. Like, if okay. you're a home rehabber. 
or yeah. if you're going through grandma's house and grandma's I'm literally thinking of hoarders right now. I am too, but yeah. I don't want to like pinpoint out any potential listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment, but if you have a house that has a lot of um, stuff in it that like pe- uh, people, mice would love to use for nesting material. It's something to be concerned about. Yes. So you're going to want to, you know, disinfect, then remove the material. Mm-hmm. Um, another conflict that we can have with mice outside of the obvious, um, white-footed mice are hosts of deer ticks. Oh. And they're carriers of Lyme disease. Yes. So it's not as much of a concern as other diseases, but... I mean, like, a take isn't going to jump from a mouse body to your body because mm-hmm. that's not how that works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is something to be noted that if you find that you have white-footed mice in your home or in your area, that, you know, they do carry these ticks. Mm-hmm. And if you're also, like, if you have children or pets rolling around in the grass outside, something just to be aware of. Yes. Sometimes these things overlap. Right. Yeah. So we're going to touch back on those non-natives and everybody's conservation Mm -hmm. status. So what's going on with that? So as I'm sure you can assume, mice are of least concern on a conservation (laughs) scale and their population is stable. Oh. (laughs) I uh, wouldn't expect anything else from them. Right. (laughs) Um, none of these species are protected under the Illinois Wildlife Code. Okay. So they can be removed without a permit from the IDNR. Okay. Um, it's recommended that you, I mean, people have their own way of trapping. Mm-hmm. I would recommend a live trap. I think they're fond yeah. of peanut butter. Yeah. Um, if possible, you definitely live traps. Um, I know on larger scale, infestations those aren't an option unfortunately um and this is where i think the most humane option aside from live traps would be a snap trap that would be quick effective we definitely say no to glue traps or poison right yeah um glue traps can also trap our feathery friends and they pull those feathers out and they can cause hemorrhaging and a lot of long-term suffering on both yes. animals. And it doesn't matter who's stuck in that glue trap. Right. As far as rodenticide, I think we've touched on this in our red-tailed hawk episode. We'll yeah. probably touch on it again in further raptor episodes. <laughs> it all flows together. So don't do it. Just stop with the glue and the poison. Yeah. It's so nasty. And it affects other animals. Yes. And it goes further than just your mouse problem. It's, it's not productive. It's harmful to the environment. And, you know, we're going to recommend live traps above all else. And if you have a bigger problem than that, you're probably seeking professional help, honestly. And if they're using glue or poison, I would look elsewhere for services. Because I don't think they really know what they're doing then. I'm just going to say that. I'm going to (laughs) be rude today. Like, Amy has on her sassy pants. (laughs) I have my sassy pants on. And you should be more environmentally inclined if you're working with wildlife. So... That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I offended you, but <laughs> if you have a mouse problem, call us. We might <laughs> be able to give you some tips. We're now um, mouse experts, so I wouldn't say that. We could barely distinguish them. <laughs> we know how to get rid of them, though. 
Oh, anyway. So as far as your friends that are going to nest in your home, you're really going to find your house mouse mm. is going to inhabit those areas. Um, they're non-natives. They're introduced from Europe. They are often found, along with Norway rats, uh, close to man-made structures such as homes, industrial, commercial areas. Anything that we have created, they are going to be close by. Are they called a house mouse in Europe? Do you know this? I don't know. Like, I'm wondering, do we call them a house mouse here because they are found in houses? or I don't know. That's a good question. But maybe, yeah. like, they hang around our structures because they were brought over by humans. Like, maybe they're just Accustomed so to habituated it. to being in our environment that that's where they choose sure. to inhabit. Yeah. Maybe. It's a pretty simple name for an animal. Right. It's cute, though. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, they are uh, kind of cute. Yeah. Um, so house mice are gray-brown in color. They're typically three to four inches long. They weigh less than an ounce. And they differ from deer and white-footed mice because their tail is equal to or longer than their body size. Okay. And it's almost hairless. Oh. So you, you don't have to look for that distinct hairline. Yeah. <laughs> you can pretty much tell. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure everybody knows what a rat looks like. Mm-hmm. But they have coarse brown fur. They tend to have a lighter underside. They're 7 to 10 inches in length. They're weighing in at 10 to 16 ounces. And they have, an, again, a, a nearly hairless. <laughs> I know. I mean, I've seen them in Chicago, and they're massive. Yeah, they are really big. <laughs> they they make me uneasy. And I know yes. that mouse is not going to come at me. Like, it's scurrying away from right. me. And I have a dog who wants to chase after it, so it's scurrying even faster. <laughs> but it just makes me, ooh, yeah, gives me, like, the heebie-jeebies. Of course. And yeah. they don't have hair on their tails. I don't know why that weirds me out, but it does. And they're big. Um, you know, as a rat owner, I've never had the issue with the hairless tail. I have okay. domestic rats, by the way. I don't have Norway rats. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. A possum freak me out, too. A lot of people say that, yeah. The whole hairless tail, whether it's the possum or a rat, people just get weird about it. I'm one of those people. Well, I guess. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're pretty prevalent in Chicago. I, I think it's maybe gotten worse. Recently. Yeah, I th- I mean, they're start they're trying to deal with it now. They're <laughs> <laughs> trying. <laughs> They've got so many different methods of going about this. I mean, th- I think the city of Chicago has attempted with rodenticide. I know there's a group of people who have dogs that they go out and hunt these rats with. I would oh. not my I no, like my sweet little beagle gives me kisses all the time and no, thank you. I would not <laughs> accept those if she was hunting rats. Um, there's also been talks about releasing feral communities of cats yes. into the area. I think that opens up a whole other can of worms. Oh yeah. Disease transmission. Birds are affected by that. They, I don't think they even really yeah. would eat the rats. No. I don't know if no. they, I mean, these rats are huge. I don't know if these cats would even like want to predate upon them. And Listen, like rats are dangerous. They can bite down to your bone. I mean, 
Yeah. This is not an animal to mess with, not to like perpetuate fear, but they're tough little things. That's why, I mean, they're thriving as a non-native species. Yes. Um, And they're creative. Like they can, they're smart. They can get in trash cans Mm -hmm. and, you know, they've got those rodent teeth that never stop growing so they can chew through those trash cans. Yeah. And that's why we're constantly getting new receptacles in the city, it seems like. Um, But then there's also people who leave out food or just, hey, I'm done eating this out the window. Right. And like, that's, that's a meal. These animals don't discriminate. Right. And it's, people don't pick up their pet fecal matter and they can feed on that and that transmits disease. Yes. There's so many reasons why these non-natives are thriving in the city. It's really unfortunate. And, you know, we have to be careful about demonizing an animal. That's never our intent, I should say. We can talk about all of the crazy things, bad things that happen with their presence, but ultimately it's our fault that they're here. Right. We brought them here. Mm -hmm. So now we have to figure out this way to deal with that issue. And I know they're scrambling in the city to figure (laughs) that out. Um, Like you said, there's been a lot of methods. Yeah. I mean, they're trying different methods. You got to give them that. Um, So outside of the (laughs) non-natives, I mean, even (laughs) to an extent, these animals are all food sources for many predators that keep those other animals like foxes and coyotes and birds of prey from searching for food from us. Mm -hmm. Um, So to a point, it is important that they're here because they're part of the food chain. Yeah, they are a part of the food chain. Yeah. Um, It would be nice if they would take out the (laughs) non-natives, in my opinion. Maybe we should just like release a bunch of hawks. I literally don't know. Yeah, I I can't think of like a perfect solution for that. It's that would take some creative people that... yeah. Something I think that wins some wildlife others. experts on the board. Oh, yes. And people that might have actual experience in it. Potentially. <laughs> I would like that. I don't know. Hannah, you should go sign up. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can be yeah. like at the forefront of a rat <laughs> brigade. It's like the peak <laughs> of your career. <laughs> rat pack. You're on the, the rat committee. <laughs> Oh, sorry. (laughs) So, big shout out to the Illinois Department of Natural Resources, University of Illinois Extension for Living with Wildlife, for my research assistance. Yeah. You ready for me to sign us off? Yeah, I think so. Okay. If you don't know by now, we have a Twitter (laughs) and a Facebook, at Cuckoo Podcast. We also have a Gmail. That's Hello Cuckoo Podcast at gmail we love to interact with you guys we really appreciate any messages thoughts feedback and you can reach us on all three of those mediums um it's also where we post our episodes which mm-hmm. we use anchor Hannah always mentions that we use anchor and i always forget so i'm sorry anchor but <laughs> <laughs> we use anchor fm for our podcast material of course um yeah i guess that's it we'll be back yeah. next week we're chatting about great horned owls yep So have a good one and we'll talk then. Bye. Bye.